Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special trade deadline edition of Lakers Explained, a show we haven't done in quite some time. And I don't know, really, it, it should be called Lakers Speculated because that's all we're going to be doing today. And that's really all we can do, uh, given what we know about the Lakers plans at the trade deadline. I'm joined by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, how are you doing today, sir? You know, I'm doing well, Christian. I, and uh, look, you say that we can't explain any of this. I, I think we can. I think we can explain the speculation. And it's nice to be back with you. I feel like you know, once in a while to mix it up, we got to go back and do the show that we told people we were going to be doing on a weekly basis. <laughs> and now it's like once a month, once every two months, or something like that. But I, I know that you like Jacob better than me, and so I've been trying to pair you two up a little bit more. I know that I can tolerate Anthony better than anyone else on this network. Correct. So trying to pair us up and. You know, it, it, we've made it work. Anthony hates the Lakers explain name, but I forced him to adopt it. So that is no longer just our pod. I'm sorry. But um, yeah, you know, I, I'm doing well. I'm I'm feeling as rested as I think someone can be heading into trade deadline madness week. And yeah, I mean, we're going to try and cut through the noise and it's going to be crazy, though. One of those statements, me liking Jacob and you tolerating Anthony better is true. I will let you guess which one, but not right now because <laughs> we have better things to talk about. Uh, chief among them is the news that came out today from Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, uh, who I and I want to quote this because ev- everything can get lost in phrasing um, at, at this point of the season. So. Uh, verbatim, his report says, uh, Charlotte has also called the Lakers about Montrezl Harrell, Los Angeles bruising center, sources said, and the reigning champions appear willing to entertain offers. Let's start there, because I think with with how much noise there is around the Lakers and their interest in Andre Drummond and the fact that LeBron James is going to be sidelined indefinitely, probably a month. Um, I think trading Montrez Harrell makes more sense now than it ever has. The question is, do you think it will happen? I don't. And I actually, I'm interested to hear your your take on why you think it makes more sense than ever. Because I think that honestly, with LeBron going down and AD still being out for who knows how long, they're reevaluating him on Friday. But, you know, Haynes reported that it could be at least another week after that or something before he comes back. It's kind of more the timeline that the team is internally targeting. Uh, And so I think that with those two out, Honestly, the Lakers need Trez now more than ever just to try and steal a couple of these games. This injury could not have happened at a worse time for the Lakers because, you know, I know that there's been some talk nationally about, will this make the Lakers be more aggressive at the trade deadline? Like, I'm just not sure that making a trade that makes you kind of either worse with LeBron and AD, you know, because it's a less complimentary player. Like if you're bringing in some guy who's just basically you're bringing him in to get up shots. Like my thing is the Lakers have guys that can take on bigger roles than they are. They just aren't going to win a lot of games with those guys taking on bigger roles than they are. But they're also probably about the caliber of the players that they could get. You know, I, I on the low post today, they were theorizing Lowe was saying the only trade that he had found that he actually even liked a little bit was like Evan Fournier for KCP and the Lakers first rounder. But if I'm the Lakers, I'm not trading my 2027 first rounder when you don't know if you're going to have LeBron or AD anymore at that point for Evan Fournier to play for two weeks until LeBron comes back. Like, like to me, and even Lowe said that he didn't really like it that much, but it was the only one that made some sense. And the problem is, you know, 
besides Trez, who's one of the guys that they actually really need to step up right now, in my opinion, they don't have a lot of high salary contracts and their only high salary contracts are either guys in LeBron and AD who they obviously aren't going to trade or Montrez Harrow and KCP who do not have no trade clauses, but by you know, by virtue of being represented by Clutch, kind of have no trade clauses, or at least don't trade me to a place where I'm not going to be happy or have a chance to ball out and get paid or whatever. And so I'm, again, I'm curious to hear why you think that now is the time to move Trez, because I think for just, he's a productive NBA player that can put up numbers and kind of get you some offense during this time. I think they actually need him more than they ever have. I think that's true. Uh, in a vacuum, but if you're operating under the, the assumption that the Lakers are going to get Andre Drummond, which I am not a believer in, I, I do not think the Lakers will get Andre Drummond. I think the Nets have a bigger role and more money to offer him. Uh, maybe, the, you know, this is the part of the podcast that gets clipped and I get dunked on for doubting the Lakers for and doubting Rob Palenka for not believing he can get Andre Drummond. But, um, I, I think it it more has to do with if you're getting Andre Drummond, Montrezl Harrell becomes more expendable. Uh, and with how much help I, I think the Lakers need on the wing right now, it, it's been an issue all season, in my opinion. But with LeBron James out again at least a month, I think you're going to need somebody to fill in at that spot. Uh, Kyle Kuzma can probably fill in, but he didn't look like he was exactly up to the challenge uh, against the Suns. Wesley Matthews is another guy who has the length to guard big threes, but again, uh, you know, not just on Sunday night, but all season he hasn't exactly looked like himself. So, um, yeah, he's had like two good games. I feel like right. his entire time with the layout, like, and that might even be stretching it. And so I, I think the dream, and it, it's been reported as such, uh, Woj had a report on Get Up on Monday morning saying that the Lakers are more looking towards the buyout market than they are the trade deadline, and they think they can you know, find a difference maker there, which I think makes sense. If you're going to look for some help on the wing, I think you know, you look at a guy like Otto Porter from the Chicago Bulls who has been rumored to maybe get a buyout. Uh, that's a lake that I think even before LeBron James injury, that's a player the Lakers would love to have. And um, I'm not saying the Lakers are going to get Otto Porter. I'm not saying the Lakers are going to get Andre Drummond. Uh, but I, I'd say it's more likely that they get a contributor on the, the buyout market. That being said, if you are to get a difference maker at the trade deadline and your position of need before LeBron James injury, and especially now is help on the wing, I think Trez is the guy you move and, you know, worst case, if a guy that they really like becomes available, um, you know, maybe maybe you have discussions about a, a package centered around Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Montrose Harrell. But at that point, you're you're looking at not just a starter, but like a fringe, like all star. Yeah, so it, it's funny because I think that like in terms of what he can bring and whether or not he'd really be worthy of playing over Trez and Mark Gasol, I think I'm probably not in the camp. I'm probably in the minority in that I don't think that Drummond would be a gigantic ad that like fixes a bunch of problems for the. And again, this is pending how Gasol looks when he comes back. Right. That's a big if. And 
So, but if he looks, you know, about how he looked for most of the season, which I know to most people think, that, oh, he's playing like garbage. It's like, that's not how I was viewing things mm-hmm. necessarily. And I'm not sure that Drummond, you know, for all, and again, he's literally might be the greatest rebounder in NBA history. I was looking at some number, like he has the highest rebound percentage in NBA history, higher than Dennis Rodman. Uh, he's eighth in rebounds per game for his entire career average. Like he is an incredible rebounder. He's not super great at very much else and so I'm not as certain that they necessarily need him I am I think a little bit more confident than you that they have a really good shot to get him uh you know I think that that is I think it's a very realistic possibility that they're going to be the team that he ultimately chooses to join when he uh, you know when or if he gets bought out if he doesn't get traded and stuff like that but that said you know I think let's talk about Trez a little bit and the center position as a whole, because outside of Drummond, like, you know, let's, who are the guys that they've been linked to? They signed Damian Jones to two 10 day contracts to kind of, you know, my theory on this is honestly that they signed Jones less for Jones and less like to get a body, but more to see just what that type of player would look like Mm -hmm. alongside their guys to decide if they wanted to add one that was maybe, you know, with all due respect to Anthony, a little bit more NBA caliber can maybe have a little bit more versatility, a little more talented and get what, and what a traditional center like they had last year would look like alongside this roster and whether or not they wanted to do that. And you look at the names that they've been connected to. They most likely can't get JaVale McGee back, but he's a name. You know, you, they, they've they been connected to Hassan Whiteside. They've been connected to Andre Drummond. They've been connected to Miles Turner. Again, these guys are all different players, but in broad strokes, they are larger centers right. that are different and a little bit more mobile than you know, what the Lakers have had this year. Like Montrez Harrell is obviously as mobile as centers come, but he's not very defensively strong. He's undersized. Marc Gasol is as big as any of these guys, but definitely not as mobile and not what you would consider a lob catcher at really any point in his career. And so, you know, when you look at all of that, it's clear that the Lakers are targeting a certain type of player that is being linked to them in every single rumor. And this is from reporters across the league. You know, this is clearly something the Lakers are digging into. There's too many commonalities here and too many different people reporting it that it's something they're strongly considering, obviously. And so that makes me th- the the next step in that line of thinking is if they're looking at these guys do they really think they're going to play three centers alongside Anthony Davis? Like probably not. And then, so if you're like, okay, well then who would they move on from? They're not going to cut Gasol. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. up against the hard cap. They basically, you know, bent over backwards to get him to sign here and recruited him. And I just like, you know, I don't know that they would do that in terms of cutting him. He's also really cheap and would be tough to trade for that reason and get much of value back. But the guy that they could use as salary ballast is Harold, which is why this report about Charlotte being interested in the Lakers being open to at least listening to offers right. was, I think, a notable confirmation of something that if you read between the lines, you could kind of expect for a while. And I just wonder, like, now with LeBron going down, I think it's tougher to make that move. But I do think that it's something that, you know, they should at least look into and see if there's someone, you know, Woj reported that they're looking to fortify this team for the stretch run, you know, alongside LeBron and AD. And does that mean having Harrell? Like, I'm not sure that that's the guy that makes those two guys better. And so are you better off trying to trade someone, maybe a team, maybe another team needs that production a little bit more to kind of give their lineups a little bit of extra pop. 
and you get someone back that's a little bit more of a complimentary player alongside those guys because it's not like you can make your trade deadline moves based on the next couple weeks while LeBron is out. Right. There's a lot to unpack there. I'll start with Montrez and his trade value. The tricky thing with with Montrez and and finding him a new home is one you're operating under the assumption that the team that trades for him is a contender who just needs that little extra push off of the bench. Boston's I think a great example of somebody that I think could use Montrez Harrell in in a in a big way. <laughs> uh, could you imagine the Lakers and Celtics <laughs> making a midseason trade? I I don't know. It's either they haven't made a trade ever, which I don't think is correct. But I believe they've made a trade. It's just but not, it's I don't think like, they've ever made one midseason. Like, yeah, it's very rare. It's also been, I think, like three decades since they've made a yeah. trade, if I remember the stat correctly. Uh, but it, it's going to be somebody who thinks that Montrez can help them this season and not just thinks that, but needs Montrez to help them this season because – you know, they're racing up against the clock of either a head coach they have under contract or a GM that's trying to save his job. Um, that is the type of team that Montrez Harrell would likely, most likely land with. The other issue with trading Trez is he's not going to have his bird rights next season. So any team that trades for him needs to be a cap space team uh, or it is just going to be OK with him walking next season. I find those two things together very hard to believe and and to construct a, a trade around, but it's certainly possible. And I think if the Lakers were to move on from Trez, I think you're looking at, you know, ideally, again, some help on the wing. I, I don't know what that trade would look like. Um, I know a, a trade that I saw on, my timeline the other day that I thought was interesting. I don't know if I do it, but I thought it was interesting is if Houston was willing to part with Victor Oladipo for KCP and Montrez Harrell, knowing that Victor Oladipo is more capable of carrying the Lakers while LeBron James and Anthony Davis out than Harrell or Contavious Caldwell Pope is. And knowing that Oladipo is a better fit, arguably a better fit, than Harold or this version of Casey is alongside LeBron and AD when they get back. Is that a trade that the Lakers consider? Ooh, that's that's an interesting one, actually. I, I've seen a couple people propose Oladipo as like someone, you know, I've had people in my mentions uh, saying to go after him. And, you know, it's like, I, I'm not sure how feasible that is. And also he's like not been good mostly for the Rockets. Mm-hmm. He's had a couple of high scoring games here and there, but for the most part has kind of been a shell of himself. And again, it seems like that's kind of happening to everyone in Houston. So I'm not going to completely hold that against him. And obviously that is a pretty big talent upside in terms of a move that you could do. And especially if he does show up and look better alongside LeBron and AD, I believe, you know, he was pretty transparently like buddying around with those guys and like like uh like buddy buddy and palling around with them in the bubble you know after that game and whatever when he was still trying to get traded from the Pacers so you know you do wonder about when there's smoke there's fire but you know again I I just question the realism not not even just of the move because I I think the move is you know I think it's a worthy gamble Mm. at least like I, I would respect 
the the home run swing of it, especially since KCP has. Again, he's underwhelmed for most of the season. My issue with criticizing KCP is not criticizing him for his season-long play. It's criticizing him for last night against the Suns when no one really looked good and I didn't really expect anyone to look that good and it was the second night of a back-to-back and whatever. Like, you know, but anyway, all that aside, I, I, I think it's a worthy home run swing. I just question whether or not the Lakers would actually ship two clutch clients to arguably the worst organization in the NBA. Yeah. Like strong argument for worst organization in the NBA. Now that the Knicks seem to be getting it together. I think the fact that John Wall is there and, you know, getting three clutch clients in. Is oh, there you typ- Rich Paul could run the Rockets. Yeah. He has an angle. I like this. Typically, all it takes is one or two clutch clients to turn an organization around, as evidenced by the Lakers championship run last season. Um so yeah, I, I don't know if it's a trade they would do. My point is, and I think the larger point about the Lakers center position that you mentioned earlier is, you know, Anthony Davis, when the when the postseason rolls around, is going to be playing a lot of center. And or it's not gonna matter. Like right. that that's the those are the two options. Either he's doing it or the season is lost anyway. Yeah. Like and I mean, last season the Lakers won a championship with the center rotation of JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, and Anthony Davis. Um you know, with all due respect to JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, who I think played a pivotal role in the Lakers' success in the regular season, when the postseason came around, I think Lakers fans have this, like, uh, this memory of McGee and Howard, Howard particularly, of being the saving grace for the Lakers when it mattered in that series against Denver. And I agree that having a big body to throw on Nikola Jokic was helpful in that series. I think Marcus all will have the same impact on Nikola Jokic in in that Denver series when it rolls around. So, or or at least close to it, right? And I think that the again the overarching point is if you're to get rid of Montrezl Harrell for somebody who again it, it can't at most or at at worst it has to be a lateral move because I don't think you can get rid of a a player of Montrezl Harrell's caliber, somebody I think is a very good player and, and a type of player, uh, especially without LeBron James, that the Lakers really need. Because the only players that can create their own offense outside of LeBron James uh, and Anthony Davis seem to be Dennis Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell right now. Taylor Horton Tucker gets hot on some nights, but for the most part, it, it's those two guys. So if, if you're the Lakers, it has to be one, a lateral move, uh, it has to be at a different position. And if you're rolling with, you know, Montrez Harrell for an upgrade at the wing and in the postseason you have a center rotation of, you know, Drummond, Davis, and Gasol, I think that's that's a center rotation the Lakers can easily win a, a championship with. So um Yeah. I am I am not against the Lakers trading Harrell, but again, I think it's gonna be tricky. Uh, not just to find a trade, but for the Lakers to talk themselves into trading somebody that has been so valuable for them, um, you know, again, and even more so without James and Davis in the lineup. And look, hey, this could happen by the time this podcast goes up because Harold <laughs> tweeted an eyes emoji shortly before we went on the air. And, you know, all of the, this whole discussion could be moot when we find out that he is actually a hornet by the end of this podcast <laughs> or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I just wanted to leave room for that. The one thing that I tried to do while listening to the points that you were making was see if I could get 
a make a DeMar DeRozan trade of some kind work just because that feels like it still feels like the most Lakers move of all time to get DeMar DeRozan. It's just tough because the Spurs are over the luxury tax threshold. And so it's just, it's hard to make that trade work with DeRozan. Yeah, it would, it would have to be like KCP, Harrell and... Oh, God, no. It doesn't work. I was going to say KCP Harrell and Wesley Matthews, but DeMar DeRozan makes $27 million. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it, it's it's tough to make it work. And, you know, they can't they can't have too much aggregate salary coming in. So, yeah. That's tough. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll we'll talk more trade deadline goodness. So the, the other report that came out, earlier this week that caught my eye a bit and I think has kind of flown under the radar is the fact that the Lakers, uh, according to, sorry, let me pull this up really quick. Uh, according to Brian Windhorst of ESPN, uh, he reported the other day on sports center that quote, the Lakers have been involved in some talks for a guard. Their big play is if Andre Drummond gets bought out from the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're hoping to be in the front of the line to get Andre Drummond, end quote. Um, yeah, there's a it, it, Christian, I'm just going to stop you right there. There's a lot of people talking about Drummond, a lot of insiders <laughs> talking, li- uh, linking Drummond to the Lakers and not to the Nets. I mean, I'm just saying it's interesting. <laughs> I, I, it's interesting. I, 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 here's the thing I think there are more reasons for Drummond to play for the Nets. If he has a preference to play for the Lakers, it's like. Um, it's like the Kawhi. Unless he hates his former teammate Blake Griffin. Let's get that rumor started. <laughs> well, Chemistry issues in Brooklyn already. Uh, it's like the Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers argument, right? Why would Kawhi Leonard play for the Clippers when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are with the Lakers? Well, because Kawhi Leonard wants to play for the Clippers. I am the Lakers fans are probably going to hate me for comparing the Clippers to the Lakers in any sense, but I think. If Drummond ends up with the Lakers, it is absolutely because he prefers playing for the Lakers uh, as as opposed to the Nets. Because, again, the Nets have the money to offer him, and right now they're starting Jeff Green at center. So. Yeah, you'd think, like, theoretically they have everything, the money, the role, but it's just, I don't know, it's interesting <laughs> that they just keep getting linked to Andre Drummond, and the Nets almost never are, <laughs> are almost never mentioned in that conversation by people who are very informed <laughs> on these things. It's uh, it's interesting. Let's get back to this guard talk really quick. Um, <laughs> I, If you look, so it's funny that you talk about the guys that the Lakers have been linked to, because there was a one-off rumor the other day that to me made no sense, not just the player that they were tied to, but the phrasing of the report. Was um, it DeMar DeRozan? No. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're going to make it happen. <laughs> uh, there was a report the other day. It, it, and again, completely out of the blue, uh, a name I don't think Lakers fans have thought of for quite some time. But uh, God, I, I'm procrastinating on this because I don't want to butcher his last name. Uh, John... Ah, I it it's bad. He he covers it's Shashevsky. Just go with that. <laughs> John Shashevsky. I think it, I believe it's John Krasinski is how his name is pronounced. John- I'm ninety percent sure, but I could have just butchered that. So I will butcher it so that you don't have to. John Krasinski, uh, senior writer for the Athletic, covering the Minnesota Timberwolves, reported uh, that he's hearing the Lakers and the Bucks are among the teams to watch if and when IT gets another shot in the league. That report is so funny to me 
because it's saying, I don't know if Isaiah Thomas has a future in the league again. There's no guarantee he'll ever play in the NBA again. But if he does, the Lakers and Bucks are interested. The Lakers it's like and the Bucks Lakers, having you interest. Know that report means? You know what that report means? <laughs> it means that the Lakers and Bucks were the two teams that called Isaiah Thomas's agent after Team USA and were like, <laughs> hey, good job. That was cool. Maybe, you know, maybe come, you could come work out for us at some point or something. Maybe. But that, we'll, we'll call you. Yeah, that's hilarious. Because the fact that any teams are interest, like, interested suggests that Isaiah Thomas has a future in the league. Like, what are we doing? Um, but I think the fact that Isaiah Thomas is like the big name on the free agent guard market right now speaks volumes about the guards that are available in the open market right now. Uh, going down the line, you have Kyle Korver, uh, Jamal Crawford, guys who again are names don't know if they move for the, move the needle for the Lakers in any meaningful way. And for that, oh man, can you imagine they just signed Jamal Crawford to a 10 day? He has like 10 30 point games, or like not 10 in 10 days, but he gets like he has like two 30 point games, put the, puts the Lakers over the hump, and then they just let him go when LeBron comes back. Like, listen, I can neither confirm or deny that I would buy a Jamal Crawford Lakers jersey to wear to Summer League 2022. That's going to be it, my... would be like a Rasheed Wallace Hawks jersey, like <laughs> right. an all time jersey to own. Uh, but for that reason, I think because of how barren the guard market is right now. Um, it's bad. It, yeah. Like Jeremy Lin's another name who I think should probably get another shot in the NBA. I just don't know if the Lakers are that team. Bring back Dion Waiters. This is what I've been saying. <laughs> he he knows the playbook. It's time. <laughs> just, honestly, just bring him back so he doesn't sign with another team and, and give away all the Lakers secrets. Exactly. Bring Champ Cheese in. He can, you can bring him <laughs> off the bench. He like he can like he can teach Talon Horton Tucker some new tricks. Like you know, I I don't see why you don't do this move. I I think the if the Lakers are going to make a trade, I think it will probably probably be for that guard that they're targeting somebody to round out the roster. Not somebody who I think is going to be playing like 20 minutes per game. The rotation's tight as is. Uh, Marquise Morris expressed frustration with his role with the team. And he started uh, a finals game last season. So it's, it's, tough he's also now like frank vogel the, the, mark what what he what frank has done to markeith since ad and lebron especially now lebron went down is like when you catch a kid smoking and you make them smoke the whole pack yeah. like that's what he's done to markeith <laughs> after he complained about his minutes he's like oh you want more minutes like how's 40 a game sound yeah and you know hilarious. honestly uh, out of spite it's worked like now markeith is playing great so you know it didn't have the intended effect but you know it still worked out nonetheless the name I think a lot of Lakers fans have been looking at, and I, I think part of it has to do with the fact that he used to play for the Lakers and uh, <laughs> seemed to, you know, have a successful stint during that time. I think he started a few games, and that's Wayne Ellington. And Wayne Ellington's actually had a few opportunities to come back and play for the Lakers, and he hasn't. Like he signed a weird deal with the Pistons. Um, does he play for the Pistons right now? He does. Yeah, he still plays for the yeah. Pistons. Yes. He and he's played for just some like bottoming teams in recent years. That just hasn't made any sense. Uh, but the well, late- he he had I believe he had no actually that was Jody Meeks. I'm missing him. I'm mixing him up with another former Lakers legend that uh, had like the serious injuries. That was not Ellington. That yeah, no. Jo- Jody had some. Uh, Wayne Ellington had a great year 
and I believe it was Brooklyn, and has had interest around the league ever since. The Lakers are in a position, I think, with Alfonso McKinney's veterans minimal contract and whatever second round pick they have to get Wayne Ellington. And, you know, that can probably, that can probably be said about a lot of end of bench guys on bot- teams that just seem headed towards the bottom of their respective conferences. Um, Hassan Whiteside, I think is another guy. If the Lakers offered the Kings Alfonso McKinney in a second Anything? round pick. Yeah. <laughs> I think they could get him, but Wayne Ellington's the one I think is, you know, probably not going to hit the buyout market just because uh, teams are always in the market for shooting. And Wayne Ellington, if nothing else, is a great shooter. I'd love to have him back on the Lakers. I think he'd be a great Yeah. Fit. I, I think he'd be a – that's exactly the type of guy that, you know, when Woj had that report about them trying to get guys that can succeed around LeBron and AD versus guys that, you know, are going to just kind of play a limited role while those two guys are out, he was honestly the first name I thought of because right. he's one of the few names that, like you said, he could probably be had for relatively cheap because the Pistons are probably just going to go in the tank and try to make themselves as bad as possible down the stretch. And although, who knows, because they have a new GM, so maybe he wants to try and see if they can overachieve, but they've really – dropped off after I think playing you know above their heads for the first couple weeks of the season and uh, I I actually was under the impression that Ellington had like a random 40 point game for the Lakers at some point but I looked it up his his season high with the Lakers was 28 so that's this uh, again I must have mixed him up with Meeks the the Lakers two like veteran shooters that year that would just randomly get hot at times in the D'Antoni offense but yeah I mean Ellington's exactly the kind of guy that you know the only thing honestly that makes me wary about it is I don't know if there's something the Pistons are doing. Like, I don't know if they're like, we need to do because not that many people watch Pistons games. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, are we sure that they aren't goosing their guys stats? Because, you know, we saw this happen with Reggie Bullock where, you know, he's shooting the lights out. He arrives in LA and all of a sudden he's trash. Like, you know, and you know, uh, he's not trash. His percentages were very bad. I'm sorry. Reggie yes. Bullock is a very nice man. I should not have said that. I, feel, and- I instantly felt bad the second it came out of my mouth. <laughs> And um, and he's playing well for the Knicks, so got to give him yes, his flowers. So I'm I'm sorry, Reggie, <laughs> but like, are we sure that the Pistons are not faking some of their box scores to try and get like free second round picks out of the Lakers? Because this is how they got Svee, and you know, I'm not sure that I want to fall into that trap again if I'm the Lakers. But in all seriousness, I think that is exactly the kind of guy that they should be trying to be adding. I, I don't. Like, I don't love the white side idea just because I really don't like, like, I'm probably one of, even among the internet, which I feel like does not appreciate Hassan Whiteside's game, I think I'm even lower on that spectrum <laughs> than, you know, the consensus. And I just really don't think that he can help a winning team. I just have never really seen it beyond that one time when he was playing for his NBA life with the Heat and ended right. up getting a max contract and then kind of. <laughs> phoned it in for the next like 10 years and so I'm not in love with the idea of adding him but again it's like if you can get him for a second round pick and Alfonso McKinney then you know it is what it is like whatever I think I think the reason I have a soft spot for Hassan Whiteside uh, because I too at one point was fighting for my life in a job and then lucked into just like stability so Shout out to Hassan Whiteside. Look, we did it. <laughs> hey, everyone in the blogging industry can relate that. I just didn't immediately start phoning it in after, but I'm also not getting paid millions of dollars and have like guaranteed contracts. So, um, 
But yeah, like you'll know that I, you'll know that I finally got paid when I stop actually like writing stuff and like digging into it, and I just do the undisputed bits on Twitter. Like that's when I finally got my guaranteed contract. Um, but yeah, Wayne, Wayne Ellington is is a guy I I would very much like to see back in. You you joked in our uh, Silver Screen and Roll Slack today that Svi is just sitting around, you know, kicking tires in Oklahoma City. In no, John City. Hollinger said, you know, he likes that idea for the Lakers. And so, like, that makes me somewhat hesitate to do it. But, like, he also, like, <laughs> he made a good point that the Lakers probably could get him for not very much. Like, let's bring Svee home. You know, that's that's not a bad – again, that was not reported, but that's a good idea. You know, just anyone – basically, my philosophy at the trade deadline is if you could get someone – for not that for like a second round pick or something, go ahead and do it if you think that there's a chance they can help your team because Alfonso McKinney is, you know, again, with all due respect to Alfonso McKinney, who has never once complained about his role, you know, finally getting a chance to play some for the Lakers. I don't think he can really help this team when no. things are going to matter. So why not try and get a guy who can use that salary, use a second round pick? I don't care. Even with the Lakers success later in the draft I don't care that much about those I'd rather try and make a move that you think improves your chances even one percent or two percent of winning a title a guy that could help you in a playoff game whatever I don't think Alfonso McKinney's that guy so I'm totally on board with making you know using his contract in a second to get something done I just if I were Rob Palenka I would be extremely wary of trading that 2027 first round pick, especially unprotected yeah. because that is like, like that's probably after the LeBron and AD era at that point. That's and a fake year. Who knows if any yeah. of us will be here by then? Yeah, that's true. Maybe none of us will make it to 2027. <laughs> and so he should just do it. But you know, if we do make it to 2027, that would put the Lakers in kind of a bad spot potentially if that is like their rebuilding year. And you know, we all just live through this. With the protected picks and the stressing out on lottery night and all of that stuff. Like, no one wants to go through that again. Yeah, maybe it was was bad that the Lakers didn't, like, pay the ultimate price for those moves. It ended up just being, like, you know, late lottery picks and a few second rounders. Maybe they should have, you know, felt the excruciating burn of losing out on a, a high lottery pick so they so they don't make the same mistake <laughs> and rob wasn't involved with that so maybe he's just like what's the worst that could happen you like <laughs> lose the pick or have to sweat it out on lottery night and i get fired after i give a huge contract to luol dang <laughs> that would never happen and then like lo and behold in 2027 he signs like a 53 year old luol dang to a max deal <laughs> on the first like minute of free agency and just gets fired so, i was gonna i was gonna say um we we need Luol Deng's first contract to come off the books first before before any of that happens. Yeah, um, he's like like f- still like the fifth highest paid player on the Lakers this season. Finesse uh, King, like shout out Luol Deng. Um, before we go, Harrison, uh, two things I want to touch on. Number one, I want to know. I, I want your final prediction on the Lakers trade deadline. Do you think they will make a trade? Uh, and of all the players on the roster, who do you think will get traded? I mean, I kind of just answered that, but I think if they're going to do anything, I think it'll be McKinney. I think it's going to be a fringe move. I don't think, especially at this point, now that LeBron gets down and they really do kind of need him for the next two weeks, I, I think they would have been, I don't think that trade, trading Trez would have been an easy decision, and I think it just got a lot harder. And so I wouldn't bet on that. But again, you know, if this team is, if this team thinks they can get Drummond or they're, you know, 
that we could say thinks in quotes or whatever, but the reality is the Lakers probably know already whether or not they're getting Andre Drummond because that's just how the NBA works now is you're just like the first rule of tampering club is you just don't admit that you're tampering. But, <laughs> you know, suffice to say, whatever team is signing Andre Drummond, if he gets bought out, probably already knows who they are. And so if the Lakers know they're getting Drummond, then, you know, maybe you do make that move. But again, that's also complicated by the fact of we don't know what Casal's going to look like when he comes back from health and safety protocols for two plus weeks. And if this is going to affect him, like in his conditioning and all of that stuff. So I just think it's hard to make a big move now with a guy like that that you really potentially do need. And so if it's anyone, I think it'll be like McKinney and, you know, more of a fringe move. I mean, where where are you at? Yeah, I think that's... I think where I where I've settled on, I wouldn't be shocked if they traded Montrez, but um if if they did trade Montrez, I think my Andre Drummond like my internal stonks on Andre Drummond to the Lakers would just skyrocket because I don't think they they make that move without, you know, some idea that that they're going to get Drummond um and I think that's really the the only scenario where it makes sense so uh, i think mckinney in a second for wayne ellington that's what i'm putting my money on but not actually because i i don't bet because that is a slippery no, you slip got you got that. a guaranteed contract now you just told the people you can bet now you're you're financially stable um the last thing i wanted to touch on and um that so the lakers announced on monday that 11 time all-star and naismith memorial basketball hall of famer Elgin Baylor passed away at the age of 86. Um, you and I were too young to watch Elgin, but yes. just knowing what you know and you having written uh, earlier in in the year during the off season about you know during the what, stoppage during the 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 middle of the season off yeah season. off season part one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Knowing his impact with the Lakers uh, and and the role he played in not just their success on the court, but their success off the court and ability to stay in Los Angeles, uh, what will your be your lasting memory of of Elgin Baylor, the basketball player and and the activist? So the thing that came uh, came out to me most when I was because this was when we were doing our let's appreciate a Laker series and so I really took some time I dove into Elgin Baylor's story and it was one that I kind of wanted to read up on for a while because you always hear like everyone's heard oh Elgin Baylor underappreciated like the most underappreciated great player of all time and all that stuff so I really wanted to take some time dig into kind of what made his career so notable and what made him so notable his game in a lot of ways was ahead of its time in terms of you know just for the time I mean he's 6'5 so he wouldn't be a bigger wing in today's NBA but for that NBA he was a bigger wing and you know just the rebounding kind of like point forward type stuff that he was doing from you know for a guard at that time or you know an off guard at that time the quote-unquote off guard was kind of unprecedented and a lot of great players that came after him has kind of cited him as a guy that showed like Michael Jordan I believe has talked about you know watching him and like uh, Dr. J came out today and talked about watching Elgin Baylor growing up and you know there are a lot of guys that 
get a lot of credit for moving the game forward that mm-hmm. you know they learned like elgin baylor walked so that they could run yeah. he obviously you know if you go back and watch the highlights he doesn't look like a modern day nba player but mm-hmm. skill training was so much lower back then like what he was doing was basically like time travel for those people and like you know for that league and we always have to judge these guys in the context of when they played and all of that larger stuff and, and you know, he had some of the most extraordinary context, I think, of any NBA player ever in that not only was he one of, he was a member of the first Los Angeles Lakers team coming from Minneapolis to LA to join that team and play for them. You know, the owner of the team at the time basically said that if Elgin Baylor had not signed with them, they might have folded. So the Lakers literally may not exist. And it does show you one part of like how you know, how financially unstable the league was back then. This was not a guy that was making millions that had all this time to train, whatever, like, you know, he was, but he was still a transcendent talent and literally kept arguably the greatest franchise in sports history. Now, like the Lakers may not, there's an alternate universe where Elgin Baylor doesn't take their offer and the Lakers don't exist anymore, potentially. Mm -hmm. And so he deserves a ton of credit for that. I also think that, you know, he was, he was an athlete that spoke out against like injustice at a time when it was not as easy to do that publicly as it is today. Not that it's easy today, but it is easier than it was at that time. I think like it's, you know, no one would argue the opposite. And the other thing, there was a season where he averaged almost 40 points a game while playing only on weekends because he was serving in the army reserve and he would get a weekend pass to go and suit up for the Lakers. Like, can you imagine that today of like, like, this is not some fringe player that's just, like, missing it. This isn't like when KCP missed away games one season or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a guy who is literally in the military while he's playing and, you know, like, showing up on weekends to play for his team. But during the week is getting a DNP active military service. Like, can you imagine if LeBron was just not playing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday because he had to sit, like, stay at training at an Army Reserve base? You know, it's just... It's insane how different the league and the world was back then. And I I do think that he just, you know, I'm glad that I wrote that before he died. And I'm glad that the Lakers gave him a statue before he died. Because I think one of the things we've all talked about over the last year, you know, with Kobe and then just with the way that the world has been is giving people their flowers before their funeral. And, you know, I'm glad that he at least got to start to feel some of that appreciation. He he got onto Twitter at like 85 <laughs> years old and was jumping on and interacting with Lakers fans and live tweeting the games like a fan. They did a Jersey tribute to him this year already, you know? And so I just think that it's really great that he got to at least get some appreciation before he passed away. I could not have said it better myself, my friend. Uh, our thoughts are with his wife, Elaine and his daughter, Crystal and, Anybody in his life uh, who is affected by his death, uh, rest in peace, Elgin Baylor. That'll do it for our show. We will catch you all again uh, whenever we do this next. 